0: On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey there, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. This is Victoria, and guess what? No video today. I am like on some kind of overdrive. I don't know. I was even wondering if I was just like, "Whoa, I can't do this today. I, You know, in my dreams, I would be like at least a month ahead on the podcasts, and the truth of it is, is that I'm barely ahead. I'm just barely hanging in there and so my idea was to do the series on Monday which we're doing and that one will be video because often I'm showing you some of the products that I'm endorsing that I love that I use here at home to stay fit fab while I'm over 50 and just to bring you into that particular choose to think with your physical health series that we're doing on Monday through December but Maybe on the Thursday episode, I won't be video recording, but instead just doing the old podcast way and just putting it on the audio format only. So bear with me as I try to figure all this out. I've been so busy with my book and finishing up that devotional. It's done. I just have a few little tweaks and formatting issues, which are in their own right, kind of like a headbanger. So I'm learning as I go with that. But at any rate, I've, it seems like I've got a lot of pots on the stove right now. I've got new classes starting up where I teach Spanish and some ending and about to wrap up. So things seem like wah, kind of boncos if you've ever been there. But matter of fact, I asked for prayer even just this morning saying, hey, can you guys, get, well, gals, really help me out here because I am... I'm behind the eight ball and I need to remember that Christ says his yoke is easy and light. And I'm going to, quote, toil or be productive in the vineyard with him today. And that means I want to have some fun in all of this. And I keep asking myself the question, Victoria, what if this were really just easy? What if you even pretended it it was just something easy? What you're doing is easy. And that kind of takes some steam out. Of the you know it releases some of that negative energy and stress for me. So anyway, I want to just jump on into Psalm 109, and this is. Gee whiz, what podcast episode is this? Like 121, 122, I'm not remembering. I don't have that up, but we are just chugging along. And Psalm 109, this is what a commentator says about Psalm 109, he says, Mrs. this is Jameson, says, this Psalm is remarkable for the number and severity of its imprecations. And you can think of an imprecation as a spoken curse. In other words, this is pretty serious, what's being written here. And there are about a dozen or so imprecatory Psalms. Psalm 109 and Psalm 69 top the list. Check out this quote from Psalm 69. This is what was written actually in the Psalm. It says this, quote, Pour out your indignation on them and let your burning anger overtake them. So you can kind of get the idea that the psalmist, as he writes, is really cursing. And he's, da- he's doggone angry. He is frustrated. He is upset. Something is going on. So I thought, okay, let's use this psalm to talk about anger, conflict management, and processing all the emotions that we have when our blood starts to boil or when we feel wronged or perhaps even falsely accused. And I'd like to offer you three quick tips plus one bonus practical action to take if you stay tuned to the very end and all of these which will they will help you calm down and put your thoughts and words in their proper places and help you better control your emotions and feelings at least that's the idea now you know sometimes it all sounds really good but actually putting it to play takes time and effort especially if you're breaking some bad habits. I struggled with impatience and over the years I've gotten much better with that but I've learned techniques to really analyze what I'm thinking about and once I start engaging certain thoughts I'm like woohoo that's gonna lead me to the road I don't want to go. So I tried to develop new habits of dealing with my thoughts because my thoughts produce and invoke feelings and emotions which in turn caused me to act or behave in a certain way. So I I wanted to start with my thoughts, and I'm not going too much into the whole thought thing here today, but other than for us to be aware of certain things, we're going to jump out of the gate by reading the 31 verse Psalm, but I do want to give you a bit of the backdrop first to give you an idea of just how deeply angered David felt, and you can read the whole story in 1 Samuel. But basically, David is fleeing from King Saul, and he's gathering men. Now, you'll have to remember that he's already been appointed to become king by the prophet Samuel. And folks knew all about this, but um, okay, there's an existing king who wants nothing more than to kill this up-and-coming king who's just been anointed, right? And you can add to this that King Saul's son, you know, the enemy, the quote, enemy to, to David, King Saul's son, Jonathan, and David were committed or covenanted friends, if I can say it that way. And at one point in this whole saga, one of the priests of the land who was supposed to be loyal to King Saul actually helped David by feeding him and giving him the sword, the sword of all swords, the one that belonged to Goliath. Remember, David had He killed Goliath, right? And I wonder how on earth did David carry that sword? But anyway, David kept fleeing and King Saul kept pursuing. I do want to read you this story. This account It's just so fascinating to read this because the very last part is the clincher and it sets the context for the Psalm that David would write later. The one for today's podcast episode, Psalm 109, this imprecatory Psalm, right? This cursing. Psalm, and I think you're going to get an idea really quickly exactly what was going on in King, or in well, in King David at that time when he penned it in his heart and in his mind. And so I'm reading from the New International Version, and this is Second Samuel roundabout. I think it's chapter. 22 I'm gonna say round about verse 11 or so or 6 starting with verse six yes and of course there's Rico in the background I've got my back door open because the so he can go in and out because the weather is so nice but hold Ricky thank you Come me oh let me give you some loving to calm you down it says this Now Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered, and Saul was seated, spear in hand, under the tamarisk tree on the hill at Gibeah, with all his officials standing at his side. He said to them, Listen, men of Benjamin. Will the son of Jesse, and now he's talking about David there, give all you, all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Is that why you have conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me. Or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie in wait for me as he does today? But Doeg, the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's official, said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub at Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and all the men of his family, who were the priests at Nob, and they all came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahitub. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword, and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today? Ahimelech answered the king, "'Who of all your servants is as loyal as David, "'the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard "'and highly respected in your household? "'Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? "'Of course not. "'Let not the king accuse your servant "'or any of his father's family, "'for your servant knows nothing at all "'about this whole affair.' "'But the king said, "'You will surely die, Ahimelech, "'you and your whole family.' And then the king ordered the guards at his side turn and kill the priests of the Lord because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. The king then ordered Doeg, You turn and strike down the priests. So, you know, I'm side note, what's he going to do, right? I mean, he's been the Kind of, he's tattletaled, I guess we could say. And now, you know, spotlight's on him. So what are you going to do, Doeg? What would you do? Gee whiz. He he obeyed the king. It says, so Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. That would be priestly garment. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle donkeys, and sheep. But the son of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped, and he fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Now, he does go on to tell him, stay with me, don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too, but you will be safe with me. And that's the end of that little section there. So, oh my goodness. So David apparently writes this Psalm 109, referencing with the context of this whole event that he had experienced with Doeg and with King Saul. And let me just give you a warning as you listen to the Psalm when I read it here in a second. The activity in your brain's fear center will increase because you will hear words like wicked, deceitful, lying tongue, hatred, accusers, guilty, fatherless, widow, persecuted, afflicted, needy, evil, disgraced, wounded, shame, and dishonor. Now, actually, that may have been happening when I read the passage from 2 Samuel. My goodness, that didn't, does your heart just go out to David? What's happened here? He feels responsible for the death of all those people all of them he feels guilty and culpable as a re- result of this and what can he do and he also is probably thinking uh lord you anointed me to be the king you're like uh what am i doing wrong here what's going on here and the king Saul is out for my life so what a precarious position david must have been in you know, you may find that stress hormones will be produced and flood your system, which may interrupt the logic and reasoning processes in the frontal lobes of your brain and keep you from functioning properly for a second or two. I'm sorry. Actually, that sounds rather dramatic and rather, you know, serious. However... When you get into a state of anger like David must have felt, that's kind of what's happening in your body physiologically. That's what's going on. But the good news is that you can now reason that I'm just reading about all of this, not talking directly to you or accusing you or something like that. So this will keep your brain's response in context and in check. There is a curious side note here, though. So many of the psalms were actually songs, S-O-N-G-S, and they were put to music. And I just can't imagine the type of music that would be playing here. Maybe it would be some sort of obnoxious rap. I mean, how do you put an imprecatory psalm or song, you know, to music? How do you do that? Maybe there were lots of drums banging and cymbals clanging. I have no idea. It would be so curious to know. Well, stay with me here. Let's make our way through this imprecatory psalm penned by King David. David. There's always hope because David actually begins by speaking directly to the, quote, God of my praise. And then he ends so many verses later with, quote, With my mouth, I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord, and I will praise him in the midst of many. So this offers us a bit of a sneak peek into what we can do to work through our own frustrations and anger right now as 21st century Christians. I was actually trying to rack my brain. When is the last time I've been so fuming mad? And I remember an event where I was actually, I was mad at the Lord. It was something that he allowed to happen in my life. And I was so mad at him that I even told him I just wasn't going to talk to him. I just almost vowed not to talk to him was absolutely ludicrous, of course, but that's just how mad I was. And, and of course he lovingly took me through that episode and that little, those days The not talking to him did not last very long because I think it was the next day I needed him for something. So there you go. There went that. But anyway, I know what it is to be impatient and, And I, like I said earlier, I can now kind of deal with that in a different way. But okay, I'm going to give you those three tips framed from this particular Psalm as well as the bonus. So let's listen now to the Psalm itself. Psalm 109, the NASV version, God of my praise, do not be silent. For they have opened a wicked and deceitful mouth against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and have fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they act as my accusers, but I am in prayer. So they have repaid me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked person over him, and may an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, may he come out guilty, and may his prayer become sin. May his days be few, may another take his office. May his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, and may they seek sustenance far from their ruined homes." May the creditor seize everything that he has, and may strangers plunder the product of his labor. May there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to be gracious to his fatherless children. May his descendants be eliminated. May their name be wiped out in a following generation. May the guilt of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and do not let the sin of his mother be wiped out. May they be before the Lord continually, so that he may eliminate their memory from the earth, because he did not remember to show mercy, but persecuted the afflicted and needy person, and the despondent in heart, to put them to death. He also loved cursing, so it came to him. And he did not delight in blessing, so it was far from him. But he clothed himself with cursing as with his garment, and it entered his body like water and like oil into his bones. May it be to him as a garment with which he covers himself, and as a belt with which he constantly wears around himself. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, and of those who speak evil against my soul. But you, God, the Lord, deal kindly with me for the sake of your name, because your mercy is good. Rescue me, for I am afflicted and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I am passing like a shadow when it lengthens. I am shaken off like the locust. My knees are weak from fasting, and my flesh has grown lean, without fatness. I also have become a disgrace to them. When they see me, they shake their head. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your mercy. And may they know that this is your hand. You, Lord, have done it. They will curse, but you bless. When they arise, they will be ashamed. But your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. And may they cover themselves with their own shame, As with a robe, with my mouth I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord, and I will praise him in the midst of many, for he stands at the right hand of the needy, to save him from those who judge his soul. And this is the word of the Lord. What are those three things that we can do to get rid of all that cortisol that rips through our system when we are fit to be tight? Number one, we vent to God exactly like David did. These imprecatory psalms are venting sessions with God, all the may, 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 like may this happen, and may that happen, and may this happen. So we can remember that our real battle is not against flesh and blood, but rather against spiritual principalities and an unseen enemy of our soul, articulating exactly how you feel and what you're thinking is so incredibly therapeutic. It also helps your brain to keep up with what's going on and to help formulate a strategy for dealing with that icky issue. So you vent, you articulate, you identify, and then you you involve your brain in the process. But all the venting part of that is all, all your emotions and just, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Lord, I'm so angry. Whatever it might be that you're saying, just venting that. I think it's so much better to vent to God than to a friend because often in the heat of our anger and when we're really really agonizing over something we we lose a perspective a little bit and yes our friends can offer us that perspective but if you but often we start saying things and it's more of it's more reactionary than responsive. So maybe if you want to vent to a friend, just wait a few days when you can actually respond. And when you've had a, a bit of time to clear your mind and to think things through and involve God in the process already. So number one, let's vent to God. Number two, we love anyway. And we keep praying. I love the verse where David says, quote, in return for my love, they act as my accusers. But I am in prayer. Those five words really say it all. You've probably heard the expression, but God. Like, life stinks, but God. Oh, I just lost my job, but God. So those two words, but God, offer us a lot of reassurance. Like, God's not done, but God is here, but he knows my pain. You can just keep going with that. Here, it's a bit different because it's a but I statement. It says about whatever's happening in your life, but I am in prayer. You know, when you attempt to love someone but they only dish out accusations to you in return. Um, Yeah, that's hard. And if we're not careful, we enter a foolish and childlike stance It says, oh, you want to play that way? All right. You accuse me and I'll accuse you too. I mean, look what you did. Look what you've done. Look how you treat me after all I've done for you. Can you just feel that? Right? And, but what David says is in return for my love, they act as my accusers, but he doesn't say, I accuse back. Now, obviously he did to God, but he says, but I am in prayer. He says, I've been kind and loving, but what do I get in return? Nothing but hatred and accusation. He's wrestling and he needs to vent. So to God, he says, curse them, but he is not cursing them. Does that make sense? He does not hurl insert, insult and accusation back to them and neither should we. So number one, we vent to God. Number two, we love anyway, and we keep praying. And number three, we got to give thanks and praise God. It's hard sometimes to have that attitude of praise when we're angry or bent out of shape about something. It's hard to be grateful, but yet that is what starts to soften David's heart, and that's kind of calms him down he goes so far to call himself weak and needy and afflicted his anger is beginning to subside and he's really getting to the crux of the matter what do you think it is what do you think the crux of this issue is for David it's his sadness beneath almost all anger is sadness We think that lashing out will help us appease the anger, and it may, but it will never address the sadness and the grief of our souls. Never. Acknowledging our sadness is really the key here. And so we combine that thanks and praising God with our authentic, that agony that we have of our soul or that sadness or that grief that we're carrying, and suddenly we have clarity again, and suddenly we are calmed down again. To help yourself really reframe all of this, you can ask yourself these types of questions. Have I ever done anything like what this person is doing to me right now? Have I ever insulted someone? Have I ever falsely accused someone? Have I ever said a nasty thing to someone? Have I ever shown impatience with someone instead of love? Surely you can say yes to all of these questions. I know I can because we all goof. We all need forgiveness. And this is where Jesus Christ steps into our lives and paves the way. The difference is that Jesus wasn't guilty He never repaid injury for insult. He never said a nasty thing to anyone, but rather spoke the truth in love. He was insanely patient with us humans, his kids. He was compassionate and caring, despite the fact that he was scorned, rejected, spat upon, and ultimately crucified. He was young, 33 God gave us his Holy Spirit to help us deal with all measure of human strife and contention in our families, in our communities, in our churches, at our workplace. And further, he says that we have the mind of Christ. He equips us to do that. We are wise to honestly and truthfully vent to God about how we feel about any situation that gets under our skin or even makes us sad. But we gotta be careful, like I said, not to vent to others, or at least wait a day or two before before we do so so we can collect our thoughts and, and mark our attitudes. We are wise to love our enemy and pray for them. We are wise to to realize our own the trappings of our own flesh and our own mistakes and and allow that to melt our hearts to a position of forgiveness and genuine praise and thanks to God for just how far he's brought us. We can praise him for giving us his son to forgive the likes of us for all and any of our transgressions. This, these kinds of thoughts generally are enough to soften the most stubborn of hearts. Okay, so here's the bonus tip practice your breathing along the way. Have you heard of the physiological sigh? Breathing is the perfect example of such a tool. And I, I've, I watched this guy, Dr. Huberman. I think he's out of Stanford University. And he also just launched a podcast, I believe. And so he really deals a lot with different breathing patterns and how they affect stress and, and tranquility. And one of those is called the physiological sighs, and S-I-G-H-S, a sigh like exhale kind of thing. And what you do is you take two deep breaths in, but the first one is really deep and kind of longer, and the second one is like just that little extra bit of air you can get into your lungs because what you're trying to do is expand all the air sacs in your lungs because over time they tend to collapse. And remember, we're dealing with with oxygen and carbon dioxide here. And so if you can get that one little last breath in through your nose, those two breaths in, you know like that. I don't know if you could hear that, but it was like inhaling in through my nose. And then again, right at the very end. And that helps to fill the alveoli, those little teeny air sacs in our lungs. And it also helps to level go up. And then we can offload some of that carbon dioxide in the big, long exhaled sigh out. So it's two quick ones in and then one um, long exhale out your mouth. And, and that's something that's free. You can do it anytime. It's so easy to do. And if you practice that daily, then what can happen in the end is that when you are in those stressful situations, when you do feel your blood start to boil, or when you're swooping out of shape over something that God has allowed in your life that you feel responsible for, then you, you know, you can employ that breathing technique even then to try to reduce your stress, reduce the, the stress hormones flooding your system and to bring you back into a sense of calm and, you know, because the, the trick here is to remember that, yes, it's, I mean, getting mad at God, I guess is one thing, but, but, what softens my heart is, especially when dealing with other people, is just knowing that I've goofed too, And, but yet Jesus has forgiven me that. The Bible even goes so far to say that the one who has be, been forgiven much loves much, and some of the most loving and kind people have been forgiven so many things, And and there seems to be a correlation there between that the level of forgiveness and the level of love that we can dish out so but that doesn't mean we don't get angry or frustrated or have to kind of calm ourselves down especially if we're really really upset about something but i think these three techniques that i've that i've given to you may may really really help you to kind of stay on top of it and and just um you know deal with that kind of thing with your your thoughts and emotions and feelings and that's kind of what our podcast is all about we want to live our best thought lives because if you want to live your best life it really does start with your thoughts so being keenly aware of your thoughts is such a good place to start and when you first notice that you're getting angry or upset try the breathing technique that's something you can do in the here and now to bring you back down and then of course vent to god And keep praying through it and make sure you're giving thanks and praising God. And if you'll do it, okay, I will too. How about that? We'll be brain changers together. And so I appreciate you coming to this show and taking time to listen. And if you found this helpful or any bit encouraging, could you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts? Maybe even write a review for me. I would absolutely love that. Even if you want to go so far as to supporting the podcast, the show, for 99 cents a month, you can go to anchor.com and search for Choose to Think podcast there. And there's a little listener support tab right there waiting. So I would appreciate that as well. And if you want to see some of the videos, some of the health series that we've done, the last three Mondays we started with water, the benefits of water. We went to green tea, 10 health benefits of green tea. This past Monday's episode on health was all about popcorn, a great snack. Popcorn, nutritional yeast, and olive oil. I believe on tap for Monday, the coming Monday, is is omega-3s. And we're going to talk about that and the brain and why they're so good and why we need them. And I'll show you some of my, one of my favorite things that I actually consume. So... And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. Thank you so much for tuning in. And say, if you like what you hear, please consider sharing this link to the show with a friend or a family member who you think might be encouraged by the inspiring and hope-filled messages that I try to put out every single week. So thank you so much for your support. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Ciao.